Welcome, friends, to episode six of the Point B podcast. Uh, before we get into today's show, I wanted to give a quick shout out to Black Rifle Coffee Company. You've heard me talk about them before. Uh, I have to say they're not a sponsor yet, but um, they're, they are a company that I believe is doing great things, and I like to support companies that are doing great things. And not only are do, they doing great things, they're using a great product to do great things. And... Um, it's not, in my opinion, not just for the coffee snob or aficionado or whatever you want to say. Um, I think Black Rifle Coffee has something out there for everybody. They've even got, uh, as obviously, as soon as we're heading, heading into the cold season, um, maybe this is going to phase out a little bit. But I love iced coffee year-round, and they have a cold brew machine uh, system, whatever you want to call it, for blueing your fresh black rifle coffee into an iced coffee or iced whatever it is you make. I personally um, am a, a fan of the five alarm coffee. I buy my stuff whole bean, grind it myself, and I, and I don't I don't grind more than maybe a few cups of coffee worth of coffee at a time for myself. My wife's a little bit less picky. I get her the just black, which is just your typical cup of black coffee. But I say the word typical hesitantly because it's got such a smooth flavor that there are times when I drink it because I'm out of my special snobby stuff that I'm like, man, this is some really freaking good coffee. And the the difference really is just in the the quality and the freshness of the coffee bean. If you're buying stuff off the shelf at your local grocery store, you're talking weeks, maybe months. It's been traveling and sitting on a shelf in a storeroom. Then it made it to the warehouse and then it made it to the overstock at your grocery store. And now it's on the top shelf. Eventually next week, it'll make it down to the eye level shelf. And it's just been sitting and becoming stale and acidic this entire time. Black Rifle Coffee, you don't buy it in a grocery store. It is shipped to you via USPS Priority Mail, and they don't roast that bean until they've got an order for it. And then when it arrives to you, it arrives in a bag that still has all the smell goods in it. You know, it's still got the air where you can squeeze the bag and smell it real quick. It's amazing. I'm sipping on it right now. I know they'd probably yell at me, but I throw a little bit of cinnamon on top of my fresh coffee. Ah, and that is just, ah, it's just so smooth. So go to blackrifflecoffee.com, check out their different roasts. They got the lighter roast, like, uh, what is it, Sniper Hide. And then they got the mediums. They got plenty of mediums, like Just Black and the Five Alarm. Uh, then they got the dark ones, Beyond Black and CAF. If you've been a fan of them for any sort of amount of time, you probably know what CAF stands for. I'm not going to repeat it on this show. But that is a strong cup of coffee, and that'll get you going. Um, no promo code, obviously, they're not a sponsor, but if you want to head over to them, they've got a subscription program as well, so you figure out how fast you drink your coffee. I was getting a new bag every month, and I was slowly getting behind to where I had I had two full bags, so I switched it to every other month. I'm sure with you know some time off of work coming up, my wife and I will just be chilling around the house. Guarantee you that's going back to a monthly subscription. It's not crazy expensive, and again, any amount of this is overpriced that you feel you can easily throw that back to they're doing great things for our law enforcement officers. They are veterans themselves, the owners of the company, they hire military veterans and they just, they, they live and breathe the American dream. And I love that. It's one of those businesses started in a garage and now it's employing hundreds of veterans and that's just a great cause. So from veterans to law enforcement, to first responders, they are supporting and keeping our, our heroes field with black rifle coffee. So give it a try. You're not going to waste a ton of money. You're probably going to put 11, 12 bucks into some coffee. And if you end up not liking it that much, well, at least you help some people out, but then you got to live with the fact that you just don't know what good coffee is. So head, head over to blackriflecoffee.com and give them a try. All right, let's get into the show now. Welcome, episode six of the Point B podcast. I'd never say it, but they just did. This is going to be a fun show. We had a semi-busy weekend, but more than that, um, ignoring some of the news cycle, there's a lot of stuff that was just going through my head. Uh, some, not even advice, just some positivity and encouragement I want to share with y'all. We'll get, get to that towards the end of the show. Uh, some of this stuff is in the news. Uh, more lockdown mandates are rumored, are being whispered on the interwebs uh, with the 
they think we'll see probably incoming Democrat president Joe Biden. Um, so again, he's been saying for a long time, more lockdown mandates, mask mandates. He hasn't said how he's going to do it. I wish him good luck at it. Uh, Thanksgiving rules. New York is just going insane with their Thanksgiving lockdown rules. Um, we'll get into some of that. Some good news. We had Moderna come out with a uh, vaccine that they are saying is 95% effective. If you get a chance, we're not going to go into a ton of it here, but if you get a chance, look into some of the science behind the vaccines that are coming out, just the technology being used, the speed at which we are seeing vaccines to brand new viruses, diseases coming out. It's insane. It's it's And it's encouraging at the same time. It's like, you know, you've always heard people talking about super, super viruses that are immune to all of our vaccines and things. It's like, oh, if you got some balance there, then you got to imagine vaccines are coming out faster. Well, the super bugs are going to come out faster too. That's just me hypothesizing off the top of my head. After that, we got Ticketmaster coming out and saying that there's the high potential for some kind of a need, a verification that you've been vaccinated from COVID-19 before they will allow you to purchase tickets to their events. So we'll see in the future how that plays out. I can't imagine it playing out well. Um, and then what do you get when you cross critical race theory, COVID lockdowns, a not-so-smooth executive transition, big tech censorship and blacklisting, and then just 2020 in general. Uh, you get an episode of Black Mirror, and we'll get into some of that craziness that just the, the direction our country is heading in. It's scary. And then I, I do want to talk to y'all and encourage you and, and maybe start pointing your brain to start thinking, where do I fit in in this moment in history? Because 2020 will go down in history, not just U.S. history, world history. So where do you fit into that story? Um, which side will you be on? And I don't mean right or left. I don't mean Republican or Democrat. I mean right and wrong. Freedom and slavery. We'll get into that. And then with whatever remaining time we have left, courage. I want to impart that word on you and I want to inspire you to use your voice, to find your courage, find your strength, and find your voice and get it out there. So that being said, let's get into it. Episode six of the Point B podcast. Thank you for being here. Let's go. Okay, here we go. I am, I'm a little bit amped today. I don't know if it's the black rifle or oh, it was a relaxing weekend. We got, um, don't hate me. Don't unfriend me. Don't block me. We put our Christmas decorations up over the weekend. It is a little early today being what the 16th of not December, November. <laughs> um, but it, I think it was needed. My wife is excited about pulling the trees out. And I'd been saying that I was going to put, uh, we live in an apartment on a, a second story. So we got a uh, second story patio or balcony, whatever. So I've been wanting to put up those uh, big bulb party lights. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. If you've been to Costco, you've probably seen them like every single time you go, basically. But uh, I've been saying I'm going to put them up since we moved in back in May. So it took me six months, but... I got you, baby. I got the lights up, um, which actually took me way too long. I don't know why I'm trying to brag about that, but if you'd, if you'd been able to watch it, you would know that it was uh, actually pretty embarrassing <laughs> of an event for me. But uh, yeah, we got the trees up, got the ornaments put on and everything. So it was a, it was a nice weekend, nice, relaxing, good weather, um, just all around good. I feel rested. I feel good. Which is, uh, feeling rested is not a normal feeling for me. I, I have a really tough time going to sleep at night. I get this burst of energy at like 10.30. And so, you know, if I go to bed at 9.30, 9.45, I could probably fall asleep pretty good. But if I try to go to bed around 10.30, 11 o'clock, even approaching midnight, the TV's going on and I'm, I'm still, you know, on my phone or on my iPad reading or scrolling through Facebook watching stupid videos that... Oh, I don't benefit anybody really, but Hey, can't complain. I feel good today. I'll blame it on the black rifle though. So if we get into some of the COVID stuff going on, um, I recommend if you got, well, I use my iPad a lot, so I use Apple news, but whatever source you go to for news, look up some of the craziness going on in some of these Democrat states where they're they're talking of lockdowns again. Biden's talking about, well, I don't even know if it was Biden. I think it was Fauci came out and said we might need like a six week lockdown. Um, 
I can't remember who said that. I need to start saving these freaking articles. It was one of Biden's uh, COVID health team dudes. But uh, they were saying we might need another six-week lockdown. Like, not everybody social distance and don't gather in parties of 10 or whatever, but I mean, like, actual lockdown. Um, Of course, heading right into Thanksgiving, which this all plays directly into what Biden told us was going to happen. You know, people tell you who they are, better, better listen, better believe them. Biden told us we were going to have a dark winter. Obviously he anticipated winning the presidency. And so he, he told us you're going to get a, a lockdown. So that looks like where we're going for Thanksgiving. They're saying, um, I mean, I've seen some ridiculous articles, but no, no more than 10 people. No people, nobody, uh, more than, of course, you know, within six feet of each other. I've seen some weird ass face shields and uh, partitions that they're saying people should use. And it's like, at some point, the terrorists have won, you know, I, I can't remember when I used that analogy, but it was like episode one or two, but at some point, and I hate to quote, um, well, I don't hate to, I know you'll, some of you might hate for me to quote our president, our current president, but at some point, the cure becomes worse than the virus itself. And we're on that path. And I, I, and many people would argue we've already crossed that line where, yeah, we're having less deaths from the virus itself. Well, now it's, it's increasing. Um, there's the courts are out on why cases are going up. Hospitalizations are going back up, but we were doing good. You know, cases were going down and the death rate was just next to nothing. And now we're heading into a dark winter. And so it, I don't know. It's frustrating because I want to do the right thing. I don't want to be the asshole at the grocery store who refuses to wear a mask because government can't tell me what to do. But at the same time, it's like at some point we've just crossed a line where say we, we do have this new norm. Well, what does that new norm look like? Do we socialize anymore? I mean, have you have you tried catching the the gaze or locking eyes with somebody at the grocery store just to give a a smile? Well, you can't give a smile because your face is covered up. But you know, you can smile and you can see it in somebody's eyes. You know, their eyes wrinkle and squint a little bit. They're smiling. People are afraid just to make eye contact anymore. And it's sad. It's it's really sad, especially I've heard that up north, um, a lot of states are maybe not as friendly as Texas is or in some of the southern states, some of the, uh, the farming and ranching states. But here near San Antonio, and I live in a small town outside of San Antonio, I'm used to walking down the street and being able to see somebody and just say, hey, how's it going? Or, hey, how are you today? And you get a response back and you would assume that, okay, yeah, there's maybe there's some crap going on in their life, but they're saying they're having a good day, whatever. But at least there's that, I don't know what to call it, but just a greeting, just a smile. And we're losing that and it's sad, especially heading into the most, the loneliest time of the year for many people. And it just, it makes me want to, I heard somebody say this on the radio the other day. When you start to start trying to, to wave or smile at people, even on the road, when somebody's passing you or coming at you, you know, in the other lane, just any effort to make people feel like they're still part of society, because it is so easy now to just feel like we're in our own little, um, not almost prisons, but they're not prisons. Our homes aren't prisons, or at least they shouldn't be, but we're in, in our own little worlds and we're isolated from each other, and it's sad. It's a sad thing. I don't like seeing that. I'm not the most social butterflies of anything. I'm, I'm not even a social caterpillar at this point. But I do like to be able to see people out in the world and give a smile and receive a smile. And, and sometimes that, you know, sometimes it's needed to just to, to feel part of society. So anyways, I don't mean to go down the doom and gloom, dark winter path. But, uh, I just, I feel like at some point we need to make a stand or just let, let people know who, you know, for people in DC who half of them freaking violate their own quarantine rules. Anyways, it's really easy for them to tell us what to do and and it not doesn't affect their life that much. So they're not aware of how it affects ours. I think it's important for us to 
you know, not every voice voice needs to be a, a rebel, but I think that it's important to have those voices out there. I'm not necessarily one of them, but there's balance. And so it, while there's people who are just, if the government says to do something, they're like, yes, that's the, that's the number one thing. That's the only thing we can do. Um, there needs to be that, that counter voice of, no, the government said to do it. I'm not going to do it. And they balance each other out and the rest of us exist, you know, somewhere in the middle. I think that's important. Um, and all, all of those opinions are valid, but we have to dissect the opinion, pull the facts out and then merge the facts into a collective decision. So I think, I think that, I think it, it's going to work out. We just got to see exactly how bad the virus gets this fall. And at this point is kind of pointless for me here. I, I you know, got to see in chemistry, it's pointless for me to try to hypothesize about what will be done or what needs to be done or what should you do. I just know from my own life, I wear my mask. I try to social distance. I do my best to put on a cheery eyes when I'm walking around and, and hopefully some of that will, um, some of that positivity will infect other people. I don't know. But, and then beyond that, I, I haven't seen my parents hardly at all since new year's it's been almost a year since i've been able to just go to my parents house and say hey what's up you know we've had a few family gatherings because of some really significant family events and we do our our social distancing we wear our masks but then there's been other man just one of the toughest moments and i think in our family's life at least since I've, i've been an adult that you know haven't been able to celebrate that miracle with other people because I, well, I don't know. I assume because of the hospital, there were you know, certain restrictions of how, as far as how many people could go, but you know, without COVID is how many of these situations would change? How many more family members would, would we get to see? Um, haven't seen my grandparents in so long because you know they've got health issues. So obviously none of us want to be that individual who goes over to grandpa's house and grandma's house and ends up infecting them. You know, it's, it's terrifying. And it's terrible. It's it's just further reason why 2020 is just the worst year ever. And as soon as I say that, 2021 is going to come around and we're going to be like, yeah, this is my year. This is the year to make everything great again. And then it's just going to be 20 times worse. So we'll see. There's going to be like flying disease-ridden rodents that are just going to start biting everybody. And anyways, <laughs> I won't speak that, that to power. But uh, I did mention you know, Ticketmaster saying that there's going to be this proof of vaccination um, that they're they're at least contemplating enacting where if you want to go and you want to go see a concert, which my brother and I are very fond of doing. We love going to see concerts. Um, I, I can't say shows because you can only call something a show if it's like, I don't know, classical music or something. It's not a show. It's a it's a concert. We like to go see some really loud metal bands like trivium um that's one of our favorites parkway drive is another one and we've seen some of the big dudes and it's fun it's just a good time but obviously that's not covid friendly so we haven't been able to do those things but now with talks of a vaccine reopening um obviously november 4th and on is supposed to be all positivity up until november 3rd it was vaccine what's a vaccine but so now we're in this new era, this new age of, all right, we might come out of COVID pretty soon. What are we going to do after that? Because obviously not everybody gets the vaccine at the same time. And what happens if like the flu, you've got to get essentially a vaccine every year. Um, they're saying that with this new Moderna vaccine, which is 95% effective air quotes, we'll see. They're saying that it would be a one-time, not even a vaccine, but a cure. So that's what we should be hoping for. But if it turns into something where you're, if you imagine, you know, all the different shots, what was it? Hepatitis B or something. And um, I'm sure there were other ones that I've already forgotten. But when you were in school that you had to take, you had to show your shot records if you switched schools because you had to be vaccinated or you couldn't attend public school. Well, that might be coming down the down the pipe with COVID, um, which makes for kind of a scary world because at that point, you've got, I wouldn't even say half the country, you got probably got half of half of the country that would say, I'm not taking the vaccine. And that's not going to be all right-leaning people, and it's not going to be all left. But there are many in the, on the left right now saying that they don't trust a vaccine coming out of the Trump administration. 
which is sad. It really is. It really is a sad testament to the state of politics in our country. So that leads me to my little uh, riddle or whatever I gave you in the introduction. What do you get when you cross critical race theory? We'll get into what that is. If you're not familiar, COVID lockdowns, a not so smooth executive transition, big tech censorship, blacklisting, and then just 2020 in general, you get an episode of Black Mirror, aka the Chinese society as current day, present day Chinese society is a Black Mirror episode. If you've never watched the show, I know I've talked about it, but basically it's a modern twilight zone. But what they're doing is they're taking very basic things that exist in modern society, present day society, and providing, I would call it the slippery slope argument of said technology. So 10 years from now, 20 years from now, what does that piece of technology look like? In one of the episodes, I want to say it was the first episode of season two, there is, it starts out with a, a, a pretty blonde girl who, and this is not my opinion, this is how the show presents it. She's a little overweight, a little chubby, but she's running and she's trying hard to look better. She's that typical person just hustling, just trying to get better. She's got her job, she's got her apartment, all that stuff. But then quickly you see this emphasis on people interacting with each other and then providing a rating of that interaction. So just like buying something on Amazon, you buy a new pair of shoes, you try it on, they feel like you're carrying around a bunch of bricks with needles poking through the bottom. So you leave a negative review on Amazon. Well, that's essentially what this episode is saying, that there's going to become a social credit score. So you've got a financial credit score. How do you pay your bills? Do you pay your bills? Have you ever skipped out on rent somewhere? Do you have too many credit cards? Do you have too many credit cards with high balances? Do you have too many credit cards with $0 balances? All of, you know, that type of intricacy applied to a social setting. So a social credit score. And you can only live in certain types of apartments if you have a certain social credit score. So it goes through this person trying to improve their lives by manipulating personal interactions to have an economic impact on their life. And it's crazy, which if you've never watched Black Mirror, get ready for language and nudity and stuff like that. But um, some of the concepts that are introduced in that show, I think, are almost uh, prophetic in today's society. And so critical race theory, what is that? In a nutshell, it is America's history is not only is America's history have negative um, elements to it, not only have has our government, our country done bad things in the past, but it takes it a step further because even the most America type person has to admit that there are elements of our past, not in our personal past, but our country's past that were not good, that we have moved on from. But people are arguing, okay, there should be some modern day, um, oh shoot, what's the word? But there should be some modern day penance for actions done by our ancestors. Critical race theory takes it another step and it says that not only does America have bad elements in its past, America is bad, and that America needs to recognize its evilness and <laughs> essentially repent and, and turn around and um if you're if you're white, if you deny that there is systemic racism in our country, well, that's just evidence of your racism. And if you are white and you don't think you are racist because you say, well, I'm not a racist. You know, you listening to this show, answer this question right now. Answer it out loud. Are you a racist? If you said no, that's because you're a racist. That, that is critical race theory in a very obviously generalized nutshell. But a lot of those uh, elements came from 1619 Project, came from, I think, the New York Times. And this is a mentality that's being taught in some schools, and it was actually being taught and forced on government employees, uh, not just all government employees, white government employees were sent to basically seminars, and they were told, you know, you have to acknowledge your inherent white racism, right? white fragility. Look up that term. That's a good one. 
So you combine that mentality of you're racist, admit you're racist. Oh, you, you don't think you're racist? Well, that's because you're racist. Combine that with COVID lockdowns. How do those connect? Well, essentially, a COVID lockdown is granting permission to our government to say, hey, you cannot go to work. You need to live within these these rules, and if you violate them, there will be repercussions. At this point, enough states are fighting back, I think. Well, not even that. Trump handled it exactly the right way, I believe, in that he did not seize the opportunity for the federal government to tell citizens, this is how you're going to respond. He said, governors, here's what you should do. Go and do what it is you believe is right for your people. Because, well, well, yeah, the federal government, is, the president is an elected position. So what gives him the right to supersede other elected positions like governors and mayors and, uh, you know, state legislators and, and state judiciaries, things like that. And, and many on the left wanted Trump, I think, to fall into what I would call a trap of, you know, if he had done that, it would have been, oh, Trump's a dictator. Um, but I think he showed enormous restraint there. And you can argue, good or bad, um, he should or should not have done that. Taking it back to our little riddle here. Add critical race theory plus COVID lockdowns. This chaos in our, not just chaos, distrust in our election system for 2020. Then the obvious censorship and blacklisting on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. So silencing public voices in what I would argue is essentially the public square. In public society, yes, Facebook is a private company, but it is essentially the public square. People go on there and they just talk. And nobody holds Facebook liable for anything that is said on Facebook, therefore... It is a public square. And that's, that's, we've gone into some of that before. And then, of course, 20, 2020 is just the, uh, what is it, the Pandora's box of misfortune when it comes to uh, happiness <laughs> in, in general. Um, but so when you get all this, you cross all those things, you get Black Mirror and you get what I think is going to become the new norm. Maybe not to the extreme level that a black mirror would convey it, but at least in the short term, the new norm is going to have elements of censorship and blacklisting and government intervention that I would argue is not necessarily a good thing. You might argue differently. I'd love to hear from you, though. Um, right now, I think the easiest thing is just to find me on Facebook, Point B Podcast, and send me a DM or comment on a post. Let me know what you think about these things. I, I'm really curious. That's the whole reason I'm doing this. Um, I'll talk about some of that in a bit. But who who have we seen delegitimized historically? I mean, the biggest obvious thing is Jewish people. Nazi Germany were delegitimized. They were dogs. They were animals that did not deserve to live. And now that is the extreme end to what I believe is the path that we are on right now. Um, but it exists as a possibility somewhere down that slippery slope. So if we're delegitimizing people, if we're in the business of saying this life is worth saving, this life is not, well, then how do we reconcile that with our own life? You know, you want to live your life, uh, the way you, you feel, you see fit, but what happens when the way you decide to live your life puts you into a classification of delegitimized, or you might say deplorables. We've heard that word recently, a lot recently. And it's despicable. But now turn this mirror on yourself. Who have you written off as, oh, just one of those people? You know, just one of those basket cases, one of those crazy loons, far right, those far left people. If anybody accused a member of that, of that, class of people that you've delegitimized in your heart and in your mind. If somebody accused them of the worst crime, you'd be like, ah, yeah, you know, I, I never, I haven't seen that news story, but, uh, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't put it past her. I've heard that many times. So how do you reconcile that with your own ambitions and your own love of freedom or your own pursuit of your own happiness, whatever that means for you in your life? And now turn that to 
this critical race theory, this Trump reconciliation project. Um, why do we need to reconcile? Why is it that if you are a Trump voter, you're now facing a presidency with members of that political party, obviously fringe members of that political party, but powerful members of that political party. We're talking the far left, the Alexandria Cortez, the AOC. She hates that term. And I, and I apologize for saying AOC so many times leading up to this episode, but Alexandria is one of these people who I would call far left. She's a self professed socialist green new deal loves government spending, government intervention, government centralized power. Why is it that people like that are now calling for lists of Trump supporters? People, not even, like, I don't call myself a Trump supporter. I would consider myself a supporter of the Constitution and of freedom, and I thought that Trump embodied those things better than the alternative. So why is it that people like me would get put on a list to be kept out of political office or out of positions of power within city councils or school boards or things like that? Why is it that I have to reconcile my beliefs with the beliefs of a fringe group of half of the country who has not officially made it to the White House yet, but probably will? I'm acknowledging that. Why do I have to reconcile myself, my beliefs, to theirs? I don't believe I do. I believe that I can exist and continue to live my life under their, air quotes, rule. But why is it that I have to, I mean, how do you reconcile if, they, if they're threatening, let's put them on a list and keep them out of politics, out of government, positions of power. So how do I reconcile myself? How do I do I have to prostrate myself below, uh, in front of somebody and, and, and bow and just grovel and just, I'm so sorry, I was so wrong. Trump was such an ass and all this stuff. Like, do I have to do something like that? What do I have to do to reconcile myself with society? And with a society that is roughly 51% of the American population, whereas the other 49, okay, we, we, we lost out on the presidency, but there was a lot of gains on the Republican side in this past election. But they're acting that because the president is a Democrat, that the rest of us now have something to apologize for. And it, it's, it's confusing to me. It's an open-ended question. It's, I don't know how to reconcile myself. I don't know if I want to reconcile myself. All I know is if they're putting together a list of what I would say constitutional supporters, I'd say, you know, sign me up. But would the left be calling for reconciliation if Trump had won? Would they be wanting to, okay, well, we lost, so now we need to start asking for forgiveness? Of course not. It's a ridiculous concept. It's a ridiculous question to ask. So, of course, I asked it because nobody else will. But getting back to history, where are we going to fit in this moment of history? I believe that there is a right and a wrong being presented right now. You can call it good and evil. You can call it right or left, right and wrong, whatever you want to call it. There's a line drawn in the sand, and I think that that line is freedom or not. And whether it's COVID lockdowns or it's reconciliation politically, socially, social credit scores, whatever it is. There's a right and wrong being played in front of us. But just because there's big titans of politics out there doing the fighting doesn't mean that we as the citizens are somehow um, on the sidelines. And that's something else I'll, I'll, I'll go further into in just a minute, but what side of history are you going to be on? I believe, you know, in the case of abortion, I think society is going to look terribly at us. Just like, you know, you would look just five or six, ten years ago, you'd look at the, the Spartans and see how they, you know, if they, the baby was born that wasn't wanted, there were mass graves where they were just thrown off of cliffs and things like that. They were discarded just like trash or waste. And we'd look at that as barbaric. But nowadays, it's, we're doing it. Our society is doing it. It is saying that, there's a reason I don't value this life enough to allow it to continue to exist. And I think his history will look very badly on that. But I could be wrong. Again, let me know what you think. But in this current state of freedom versus security, what side of history will you be on? 
which side is America always loved and praised? The American spirit is the, well, and especially the Texas spirit, but the American spirit really is, don't tell me what to do. I know what the right thing to do is. The worst thing they could have done at the start of COVID is to start mandating masks. They should have said, hey, people, masks help. You should wear a mask. And let society and the free market take that and run with it and people will do the right thing. But then you start coming out and saying, oh, you have to do this or your business is going to get shut down or shut down your business or you're going to prison. Um, I think that would be on the, the wrong side of history. But think about historically the side, the underdog that we've always praised. And now think about which side is winning the spotlight today. It's the side of no freedom. It's the side of a powerful, centralized federal government that supersedes local government. And that's the, that's the complete inverse of how our system of government was set up to be. Who knows better how to direct traffic on the street outside your house? A, some random person from D.C. or a member of your local community? It's an obvious question. It's an easy question to answer. But somehow that concept escapes people. When it comes to the federal government, we think, well, people should be able to live this way. People do have a right to this. Therefore, the federal government should step in and mandate it. And that's the wrong way to, to approach it. It's the quick way to approach it. But our government was set up to work slowly. There's so many checks and balances of power that it is meant to work slowly so that nobody can just go in there, win the election um, by appealing to the mob, which would be the large cities, um, population centers, just appeal to enough of those big cities, win enough of those, and you can cancel out the voices of the small um, rural voices. I don't know why words like that are so hard for me to say. Rural it's just, that, that does not roll off the tongue. That rolls off the throat, and I'm not good at that. <laughs> but anyways, what side of history do you want to be on? I choose to be on the side of history that allows me to choose what side of history I will be on. Think about that. Do you want to be able to choose what side of history you be, you'll be on? Or do you want some old white guy who can bar barely string together a, a complete sentence and really, that can apply to either Trump or Biden, both of them. But do you want somebody like that who's never had to work the way you work day to day to just be able to come and unilaterally just say, no, you know what? I know that you can manage your bills better. I know that you can decide what's right and wrong for your children better. I know that you can choose the right school for your kids. I know that you can buy healthy food if you want to. But instead of leaving that choice up for you, I'm just going to go ahead and make the decision that that I know you should make anyways. And it's that level of just narcissism that we're seeing out of our government, and it's being enabled, and that's the sad part. So I say to you, have courage. There's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of ways that you can look at the news cycle and say, man, we're screwed. <laughs> you know? And there's probably a better word to use for that um, besides screwed, but it's really hard sometimes to, to watch what's happening and to think, it'll, it'll work out. But then there's the flip side of that where I think a lot of people are hooked on that it'll work out. You know, that I don't need to worry about it. it, it things are going to be fine. I think we're seeing very solid evidence that maybe things won't be fine unless the common man just speaks up, just says something. And while that can be scary in a way, it's also encouraging because if there are more and more concerned citizens getting involved, knowing the facts, and communicating them to each other, it's almost like outsourcing accounting. Is accounting something that I think the, the average person could learn, you know, if they went to, to school and got a CPA's license and all that stuff? Sure. I think the vast majority of people could figure it out and get it done. Maybe they don't want to, and that's the beauty of our system. You know, I don't. I, I went to school to to become an, an accountant, and then I realized, man, this sucks. <laughs> this is really freaking boring. Why would I not just pay somebody else to do it for me? It, and I, I think sometimes I think 
that it's it's almost like a a cop out to be like, well, I don't want to do it. I'll just pay somebody else to do it. it. It sounds lazy, but it's not because it's it's called specialization. That's the beauty of our capitalistic system is that not everybody has to know how to do everything. You can specialize. I am an accountant. I am a nurse. I am a doctor. I am a lawyer. I am not just an attorney. I'm a divorce attorney or a child custody attorney. We can specialize where now instead of me having to know how to do everything half-assed, now I can be 100% efficient at the thing I'm passionate about and they over there can be 100% efficient in this thing that I don't know how to do and I will take the wealth I've accumulated by doing what it is I do well and I will pay somebody else to do what I don't do well, well, if that makes sense. And so I say all that to say that I'm not, obviously only six episodes in, I right now I don't feel this way, and I don't know if I'll ever feel like my podcast couldn't get better. And, and I'm assuming I'm going to do this for a long time. I hope I will. But what I'm saying is, how do I communicate this better? <laughs> I'm, I'm failing at this. While I don't think that my podcast is as good as it could be, at worst, I hope my podcast will inspire other people to find their voice. That, you know, you listening to the show, I hope that you will hear this and think, well, man, if this freaking stuttering. <laughs> Um, goofy ass laugh dude can get on a podcast and say what it is he thinks well so can I and I hope that you think your opinions are better than mine <laughs> I hope that you think that your voice is unique in a way that I could never replicate and vice versa so maybe my podcast isn't meant to be this groundbreaking political commentary maybe my podcast is just meant to inspire you inspire you to have courage to use your voice and start your own podcast or start getting more social and informative with your friend groups on, on your networks. I'm doing some weird <laughs> hand motions over here. I wish you could see it. Eventually, eventually we'll have the YouTubes up. But if you have something to say, say it. And if you have something to say, if you have those conversations with yourself or with mythical politicians while you're driving home from work and you're listening to talk radio, whatever. If you have something to say, why aren't you saying it? And I think that we've, just like we've outsourced our rage to these political heroes or titans or just those in power, we've, we're hoping they'll say what it is we, we feel on the inside. I think we've outsourced our courage to the fear center of our brains. We've allowed the fear in our heads to be, become more powerful than the courage in our hearts. And that's scary because it only takes one generation to lose so many freedoms that people have fought and died for. And I don't want that to be our generation. I don't want that to be my generation. I want my generation, like I said last episode, to be that hero, to be that generation that pushes others forward in a positive direction and provides some sort of foundation to build upon. Right now, everything's up in the air. And that's, that's scary, it's uncertain, but we can control the message if it's coming out of our own mouths. You can't control what Fox News does. So many people thought, well, fake news, fake news, except for Fox News. Well, now Fox News is going right in line with all the other big networks, and it's all driven by money. But if you're a volunteer, you can't beat the heart of a volunteer. And I've told you before, I'm not making money doing this. I'm doing it because I've got this voice, and I've got these messages that I've I want to push out to y'all and the hardest part is just doing it in a way that's digestible, but I could, I could just diarrhea of the mouth politics all day long. And, and that's why this has almost been therapeutic for me in a way, but we all think that we would be on the right side of history. But as I, the question I posed before history is happening right now. So what side are you on? You know, if it's, if it's, pre-World War II and we're, or during World War II and we're watching Jews be loaded onto trains and taken to mass prison camps, would you have spoken out? Would you have been on the side of, you know what, I got this podcast and I'm going to start using my voice to convince people of how evil this is? Or would you go along to get along? 
it's a tough question. It's a question that you have to ask yourself almost every day, and you've got to reaffirm what it is you believe to be the answer. We all know what the right answer would be, at least I would hope. But you've got to reaffirm every single day, I'm on the right side. I am making headway in the right direction. So if you consider yourself a Democrat or a leftist or a liberal or whatever, what if, take it to the extreme, what if the, de- the deplorables, the Trump supporters, the conservatives, the people who cling to their, their God, their constitution, and their guns, what if they start becoming silenced even more than we already are in, a w- in many ways? What if we were starting to get rounded up? What if this list of reconciliation was turned into a blacklist of don't do businesses with those people? Don't give banks, don't give them loans. What if it happened? Something I heard today actually was everybody breaks. This person was talking from a military standpoint. You know, how do you how do you maintain courage? How do you keep from breaking? And the answer is, you don't. Everybody breaks. But I think that everybody breaks quicker if they're alone or if they feel alone. And so this podcast is a way of hopefully creating a community of voices. Not a community of ideas or people who all believe the same thing. I mean a community of voices, of people who get their voice out. There's something like 13% of the American population that even knows what a podcast is. You don't have to worry about trying to steal market share from Joe Rogan. It's not going to happen. But the beauty is you got 87% of the population who has not even been reached yet. Nobody's even tried to reach them yet. Your voice is unique, and I hope hope that mine is as well, right? I really do try to give benefit of the doubt to not just pick a side and stick to it. And I hope you'll do the same thing. Because, you know, we all break at some point if we're alone in the effort. And it's not a, it's not a, a question of whether you're afraid or not. Because something else I heard on the radio one day about somebody saying, you know, this is my hero. And not because they weren't afraid. They're my hero because they were afraid. But they did it. Anyway, whatever it is that person did, Bonhoeffer or Martin Luther King, Abraham Lincoln, Ulysses S. Grant, whoever it is, they were afraid. They were terrified. They're a hero because they did the right thing in the face of their fear. That's that's not an easy task. That's a that's a terrifying task to be afraid of something, whether it could kill you physically or it could kill you spiritually or mentally or it could kill the country. And everybody along with it, you know, whatever it is that's on your heart that you're, the messages that you want to get out, but you're afraid to say it, or you're afraid of being laughed at, or you're afraid of being not taken seriously, whatever it is that's standing in the way of you doing it, the heroes do it anyway. I mean, personally speaking, every single time I turn the microphone on, I put my headphones on, I start reading through my notes. I mean, just being completely transparent with you i'm critiquing my notes right now and i'm thinking man it would be much easier for me to do this task if i just knew how to take freaking notes and organize my thoughts in a way that i could easily you know transmit it to a microphone and then to you and so sometimes the the loudest voice that you got to overcome is the one in your own head and I, i totally get that But what happens if we're all speaking, if we can all be heard now, if everybody's got their little platform and their network and ever, and and we're all just contributing to the, to the voice of the people, you know, right now the, the voting base is so small compared to the amount of people in this country. If we all pitched into a collective voice and DC had to follow our collective voice at that point, it's let the most sane, rational voices win voices plural whoever it is that's conveying the most the the best message as far as a course of action to take or a decision to make or something to do or not do whatever it is if you've got all these voices contributing then you get to pick the most sane and rational voices not just the single loudest voice which is the current state of of our society of our of our social voice Everybody's so afraid to speak 
on a on a, a platform setting that now all you got to do is just be the loudest voice you just got to be the one willing to do the most insane thing on uh on social media or whatever it is and so it's it's time to reconcile your worldview with what's currently happening in the world and that is something that I, i'm i'm having to do as well um we, we we have to recognize that there are people in the world who disagree with us and there's probably half the population of the country that agrees with them to to some extent or another and so it's not about overcoming those voices it's making the case for your own opinion and if you're not willing to do that well then maybe your opinion isn't the one that needs to win or maybe it is you you got to decide that and decide to speak up or not and that's the beauty of of our country and, and freedom of speech but just like a muscle you can have a muscle all day long but if you stop using it you're going to lose the muscle same with our freedoms you got to use your freedom you got to exercise your freedom of speech or you're going to lose it and i the more people exercising freedom of speech and maybe the more people doing a podcast or a youtube live or whatever it is and monetizing it now your money's your money's where your mouth is and so if somebody comes in and tries to stifle your freedom of speech now they're not only telling you hey don't say this they're saying hey don't make money saying this and i think that, that would be a beneficial thing to society because you assign a personal dollar value to your freedom of speech now you're not going to just roll over and let the first amendment get trampled on as it has been over years but especially here recently so that's all that's all i got to say uh we went a little long today but uh before i leave you just you know be courageous do what it is say what it is that you want to say do what it is that you've been saying you want to do and go from there uh, but before we head out, I really want to encourage you to, well, number one, find those brands in your life that are not the Walmarts, that are the, the Shopify site on Facebook. Maybe you saw an Instagram ad. Support those kinds of people. Figure out who they are. You know, if it's a good product, if they've got good reviews, they do good things with their profits, support them. And so with that in mind, again, Black Rifle Coffee, it's a great product. They do a great thing with their with their revenues, with their profits, they put it all back into the overall mission of the company, which is to help veterans to be pro-America, pro-Second Amendment, pro-law enforcement. And so I like to give my money to them. Maybe you wouldn't. I understand that. So find who it is. I don't care if it's somebody who I would I would uh, hate. You know, it doesn't matter. If it, if it resonates with your spirit, with your heart, then put your money where your mouth is. Support those people because they've got mouths to feed too. So with that, we'll close this one out again a little bit long. Sorry about that. We'll be back for episode seven, and I'll probably be apologizing then as well for going long. <laughs> but uh, until uh, today being Monday, November 16th, until Friday of this week, uh, I'll see you then for your Friday debrief. Take care. Stay positive. Be nice to each other. Smile at somebody while you're just, uh, I don't know, grabbing some oranges at the grocery store. <laughs> Take care. Take care.